Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z-Murray. What up, y'all? This is E-Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul, KOL for 36 Young Busy Ball. Vice World. This your man, Mastermind, the Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. Pushing folk 
to um, to uh, a, a certain agenda, and then when you know kids get a certain age, old enough or big enough to be a threat in terms of you know their size and, and, and whatnot to law enforcement, um, then uh, they're looked at differently. So I write about that from basically from pyramids, playgrounds, prisons. Uh, we're also going to be talking about, of course, the issues of you know of, of gun reform and uh, you know the recent uptick in, in mass shootings. Um, and, but also, man, the, just the, the incarceration of uh, folks in, in the uh, criminal justice system. Uh, some would like to call it the criminal unjust system, but we're going to talk about, you know, uh, reform, recidivism, and uh, what we can do to do a better job in this country and instead of just locking people up, trying to give people hope and opportunity and, and ways to uh, rise above out of out of economic and, and, you know, dire conditions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It seems like right now um, we're getting hit on so many different fronts. I mean, uh, violence is at an all-time high, inflation, um, everything you could think of that, that could go wrong for this younger generation, it seems like it's going wrong right now. And uh, I commend you guys for doing the work you're doing to try to ensure that they have a future, that they have something to look forward to, because it looks pretty grim right now, you know? It does, man. And, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I believe in paying it forward. And, and, you know, when you have knowledge and, and you've been able to, you know, put yourself in a certain position to help others, I believe that it's, it's not even your, you know, it's your responsibility, it's, it's your duty, you know, to do so. And, you know, we, we have issues in our society that, really haven't been addressed since slavery. And when you really think about it, a lot of the ills that come about are due to, you know, generational and systemic uh, problems that we haven't fully, you know, done a deep dive into and really addressed truthfully and being honest with ourselves about these things. A lot of that is laws and regulations that have been on the books for years that should have been changed, that haven't been changed. Uh, A lot of that, uh, you know, has to do with the mentality of folks when when you talk about, you know, people judging you based on the zip code you were born in or the color of your skin or, you know, your you know who you choose to love or, or where you choose to live. And so we have to start looking at these things more seriously and asking ourselves the question, you know, what are the so-called people in power doing to really help us to, to help the people, you know, to do it for the people? And, and what promises have they made versus promises kept kind of pressure to hold them accountable and make sure that they are doing their job in order for us to have a a, a fair and just society. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, You know, it's something that, uh, you know, is long overdue. Now, you you come from an era in hip-hop, where you started out, you know, it was it was about uh, the life of the party, having a good time, dance music. Um, and then things started shifting, uh, you know, with N.W.A. and Ghetto Boys and things like that, Ice-T, uh, Schooly D started shifting towards the streets, gangster rap. Now, the devil's advocate could easily say, well, you have a show, sir, um, called Murder Master Music Show. Why are you even uh, uh, trying to blame gangster rap? Well, I'm not. 
but in a way I am because um, a lot of kids in that era looked up to gangster rap. Um, but now um, it's all about popping pills. It's all about, um, you know, just, just embracing death. At least then there was a message underneath the, the, the hard tones of the streets. But do you think Absolutely. that some gangster rappers get blamed for uh, what's going on today? You know, I, so I have two things to say to that, uh, to address that. Uh, one, um, we have to make a distinction between hip-hop culture and rap music. And, yeah. and two, when you talk about uh, gangster rap, we didn't actually call it gangster rap. We called it reality rap because we were rapping about what was going on in our neighborhood. In fact, uh, World Class Wrecking Crew, we wrote, um, a reality rap before N.W.A. Obviously, you know, several of the members of Wrecking Crew went on to be members of N.W.A., but even Wrecking Crew, we had a song called Gang Bang You Dead, and in that whole song, we were talking about what was going on on the streets, the drug dealing, the gang banging, the dope slanging, all of that stuff. You know, we were, we were rapping about that even then, and so we were just reflecting what was going on in our and what we saw in our lives and the situations that we, you know, whether it's with the police, whether it's with, you know, other people in the hood. So we, we saw we saw the transition happening, and we tried to get ahead of it and talk about it and bring, you know, awareness to it, even way back then. With, um, like, you know, rap music has many changes. Uh, it has evolved into certain areas and so pocket. And some of it I like, some of it I don't. Some of it I rock with it, some of it I won't. And, you know, the bottom line is folks can always turn the radio off. They can always change the channel. They can always monitor what the kids are listening to to uh, make sure. They can always raise the kids in a way to where they they help them to understand, to be able to discern, you know, from truth to fiction, from the real, from the fake. Um, And to be honest with you, man, a lot of these cats who who are doing a lot of this, you know, so-called, uh, you know, gangster rap, a lot of them didn't even live that lifestyle. They may have been affiliated, associated, or had a little bit sprinkled in, in and there, but if they were truly living that lifestyle and the way that they're rapping about it, they'd be doing 20 to life right now. So um, it's, it's really more about us spreading a message and holding the mirror to society's face and letting society understand, you know, what we experience, what we go through, because we didn't have, you know, the, you know, what our experiences were in the neighborhood. So we had to tell the people ourselves. You know, we, we didn't have, you know, the L.A. Times, you know, really telling our stories the way they should have been told. Um, so what we had to do back then, and even in some cases now, is bring to light what our experiences are the best way we knew how, and that was through this art form called rap, which, you know, like I said again, uh, the phrase got coined as gangster rap, but it was really about, you know, the reality of what we were going through. So for people to say, you know, well, you know, you guys are promoting a certain lifestyle or you promoting a certain situation, let's dig deeper into the roots of why these issues are happening. Let's dig deeper into why people have to think a certain way or a mentality or have a certain, or grow up with a certain, you know, mentality. What are the economic, social, political, psychological conditions that we that are created in society to have to have 
you know, these kinds of conversations. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember years ago somebody was uh, criticizing uh, Murder Dog Magazine. That was a publication I wrote for, which is what this show is derived from. And the owner says, I'm putting up a mirror image of what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's what you're getting out of this yeah. magazine, you know. Um, yeah. And and that's what it is with the music. But, you know, back then, uh, there was a positive message uh, in there because, you know, Ice-T had records like You Played Yourself where he's telling you not to smoke crack. You know, um, NWA was exposing police brutality um, at a time when it wasn't being exposed. You know, um, these, nobody cared to were, go against police. You know, these and, were our and lived experiences. Yeah, these were our lived experiences. You know, being pulled over by the cops, being harassed, being called a gangbanger. I, I have been put on several. You know what I'm saying? Gang, gang book registries, coming, driving from college and getting pulled over, and and being told, "Oh yeah, you in a gang? How did that happen? I didn't know. That's news to me." I never gang-banged a day in my life to save my life. But growing up in the hood, yes, was I around friends who were, you know, who were gang-banging? Absolutely. Can't get around that. Were they some of my homies? Yes, they were. Did I kick it with them? Sure I did. It's hard to avoid that. But at the same time, that's not a lifestyle I chose for myself. In fact, they told me, man, don't even do this. Go on over there and do that music stuff because you got that. We got this. So it's not even really about that because it's good and bad people everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's good and bad people in the neighborhood. It's good and bad people, you know, in, in, in hills. But the reality of it all is, like I said again, what are the conditions that created a situation where you have to have a young man or a young woman go out there and commit mayhem in their neighborhoods or affiliate and associate with a certain brand, a certain color, and all that kind of stuff? so that, you know, they can even just maneuver through their life. But let's not forget, if we want to stretch that definition out to what a gang is, I know some gangs that wear badges. I know some gangs that have, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, sidearms. I know some gangs that are sitting up in corporate offices, uh, you know, with, with, with three-piece suits and ties on. So if we really want to talk about what the definition of a gang is, you know, we can go there. You're talking about the biggest gang in America, obviously, uh, the, mm. the Boys of Blue. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and and to many uh, to many people, they're almost uh, well, they are a terrorist organization. I'm not saying there's not good police out there. We all know there are. Many of them have, have given up their lives to save others. But there's I don't a huge, huge population yeah. of police officers who are, I believe they use it as an opportunity just to, um, you know, uh, release their hatred upon whoever. <laughs> and Man, uh, they I, I have friends, unfortunately I have friends go after are, people of color. Yeah, I have friends that are, you know, that are cops. I have relatives, you know, that are cops. And we sit around and we have conversations about, what law enforcement can do to a change or, or change the narrative, b tweak their image, and 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 c make it to where the community is in support and in trust of them versus distrust of them 
and, and how can we bridge that divide and that gap. When I was a kid, we had this program called DAP, you know, when I was in elementary school, and that stood for Deputy Auxiliary Police. And they would come to the schools, and they would mentor us kids. They would talk to us about, you know, safety issues and safety first and being good citizens and all of those kinds of things. Those programs went out the window. It's like, where are those programs now as to where we can start building bridges and building trust in the community where police understand that we're not out to hurt them and and, and it should be vice versa. So it, it's really about, it, it shouldn't really be about us against them or them against us. We need to be building trust. That's a bar. Us against them, them against us, we need to be building trust. That's a bar. So anyway, all I'm saying, man, is... Um, with this whole situation, what we want to do with, with this event is really bring to light some of these issues, have frank discussions about them, and also really try to work on trying to find some solutions and bridge the gap um, in our society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that way uh, there's something uh, uh, to look forward to. And I believe many of the answers are within these um upcoming generations and you got to instill in their minds you know what I'm saying uh change real change and uh they'll get it done I believe in them man they'll get it done if if we guide them in the right direction and salute Absolutely. to you guys for doing what you do I see you uh Lonzo and Yella um doing various things you know um and uh shout out to you guys I love the fact how the three has got books out and you uh you know, you go on book tours together and things like that, different events. What's it like working with your brothers, you know, all these years later, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny, man. We we could pick up at any moment in, in time, and uh, it's just like yesterday, you know. Um, it's it's weird because I'm closer to them than I am to a lot of my own family members, and that's because of our history, you know, and what we've gone through and the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're able to sit down now, you know, years later, and laugh with each other, joke with each other, talk to each other, you know, vibe with each other. And it's really never, it was really never any any animosity towards us. It's just that the circumstances around back then led to, you know, um, um, miscommunications and, 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 and feelings and all this kind of stuff. But that's long, long gone. You know, we, we're all men, you know, and we're men of a certain age, and we understand our role and our responsibility to to the culture, to hip-hop, to society. And really what we're trying to do, like I said, man, is pay it forward and, and be uh, agents of positive change and, and you know, uh, tell people the stories and, 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 you know, provide them with just just knowledge and the nuggets that we picked up over the years. So these book tours have been exciting you know, um, I've been promoting my book, you know, DJ Clientele, the autobiography essays and writings of a modern-day renaissance man. Um, they've been promoting their books, Lonzo His, Yella His. And, uh, yeah, man, so with, it's, it's been a blast, man. We've been having a good time with it and, and uh, sharing stories and, and lecturing and signing books and just, you know, um, just just enjoying the, uh, enjoying the moment. Yeah. And that's what it's about, man. You guys are still able to have fun and, uh, you know, come together uh, all these years later. Um, also, I want to shout our brother Emo, man, UGS for life. He 
he uh, he's going to be performing with you at this event on the 16th, is he not? Yeah, yeah, me and Emo, we're going to get out, man. We're going to do Let's Ride. And, and uh, shout out to D-Tag, too, man, for putting that track together, man. We uh, I enjoy working with all, all those guys, man. It was real cool. A lot of fun. Oh, yeah. With the, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, the uh, Buck the Lane stream album. Yeah, man. You know, uh, so you guys, uh, uh, you guys are going to go there and just, uh, you know, give them, give them a hell of a show and then give them some knowledge at the same time. Uh, yeah, we're going to sign some like books. Funny we're gonna, you know, yeah, we're going to sign some books. You know, we're going to have some conversation. Um, you know, we're going to perform. We're going to talk to some folks. And we've got a really nice lineup of people, man. It's going to be some community folks, uh, local community folks coming out. Um, I believe um, ACLU. NAACP, you know, Liz, you know, she, she'll tell you more about that. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a blast, man. We want to make sure, you know, that uh, we do this for the people, we do this for the community, and we spread that knowledge. Because knowledge is one of the elements of hip-hop. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, are, uh, you are so well-versed in hip-hop, man, that um, it's so dope to see you have, like, a, a role at the Universal Hip-Hop Museum and and uh involved with all these things you know to do with hip hop i see you uh speaking to people and, and and uh man you just you just promote a positive message man and um it's always always hats off to you for that keep doing your thank thing you, man. man i appreciate it. thank you i appreciate yeah. it Brad. keep doing your thing too man and like i say salute man it's UGS for life the show Oh man, appreciate you, brother. Like always, and uh, you know, before we do, uh, you know, get out of here, I want to give them your information. You know, if they want to holler at you for events, for booking, or for uh, getting some merch, get your new book, man. Where, where, where could where could they go? So they can hit me up, man, on uh, IG at DJ underscore C L I underscore N underscore T E L. Or they can go to my website at cli-n-tel.com. That's clientele.com. We're back. Uh, shout out to the homie Clientel. Episode 898, Civil Rights and Hip Hop. Speaking of civil rights, we have someone who's no stranger to civil rights. Uh, she's actually the founder of Organized Voices. She's also an attorney, um, activist, Um and she's also the one that's putting together this uh, amazing hip-hop uh, event on uh, July 16th to Guild Theater. Um, I'm talking about Liz Kim. Liz, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Real good, real good. It's a huge honor to have you on the show. Um, I respect the work you that much. you do. And it's needed right now more than ever. Uh, you being out there on the front lines, uh, being a voice for the people, what are you seeing right now out there? Um, I'm seeing a lot of disinformation. I'm seeing a lot of people that um, knows definitely that we have a lot of civil rights issues. I think now more than ever a lot of people are aware um, but maybe not having the right tools just yet. And that's where I think the education piece is really needed. Um, and that's why uh, there's a lot of young people that know that we have a police brutality problem, we have a classism problem, um, racism problems, and gun violence problems. And 
Um, I think they're hungry to know how to navigate uh, these waters, especially during a time of unprecedented things like the pandemic um, and economic inflation. And I think um, young people are looking to uh, get guidance and I think that's why it's so important for our pioneers like the NWA and World Class Wrecking Crew uh, to come in and really explain what they've been through, what they've contributed so that the torch can be passed. Yes, yes. People who stood up against the machine and um, fought for civil rights. You know, when NWA came out with uh, F the Police, it wasn't just a, a controversial record. It was a, 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 an awakening to tell people who weren't aware this is what's going on right now. And right. Um, it opened up a lot of eyes, but what's so uh, disgusting is that here we are in 2022 and um, it's still here. You know, everywhere right. you look. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that when West Coast rappers did the, the track, we're all in the same gang, uh, that was in 1990, and here we are 32 years later. Yeah. We're still fighting for the same problems. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Yolanzo, uh, Clientel, and Yella for uh, staying on the front lines of this for all these years and continuing to work um, along with good people like yourself. Uh, I think we have them on the line right now. I'm going to bring on, uh, I believe, Lonzo and DJ Yella. Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, we all good, Doc. And we all welcome good. Welcome to the show again. You know, it's always a pleasure and honor to have you guys on the show. I'm chopping it up with Liz Kim about, uh, you know, the work that you guys put in um, all these years later. Uh, you're still on the front lines. I, I, I commend you for doing that, man. Real talk. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a time to retire yet, man. <laughs> True indeed. Ain't time to retire yet. It's hard to retire when you're having fun. Yeah. Fact, we have uh, we have a whole new life now, man. The crew, we yell at clientele and myself, we get together, we do book signings, man. That's been just as much fun in some cases as going out doing shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All three of you guys got phenomenal books out right now. Um, and here you guys are all these years later. Like I said, you're working with me with great people like Liz. Um, you know, uh, what does it mean to you to be there at this this uh, show in uh, uh, Sacramento on the 16th of July? Uh, tell everybody what you're looking forward to. Mark, go, uh, go ahead. Doc, I'll come back. Yeah, hello? I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah. I thought somebody else, yeah. I thought, uh, I'll give one of the guys a chance to speak. Yella, you there? I think Yella. Oh. No, no. Well, I, Yella, I, I, I ain't never afraid to talk. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming back, coming back to Sacramento. I haven't been in a while. Got a lot of friends up there, Jay King from um, Club Nouveau. And I'm looking to meet with the folks. Um, they say it's a social event, and I'm very socially conscious. In fact, all the members of the record crew are very socially conscious. Um, and uh, I've interviewed, interviewed a couple times by the lady with the one dimple, and uh, <laughs> we, we've touched on 
some of the uh, issues that we'd like to talk about. In fact, in my book, there is a part in the section, like chapters 41, 42, I start talking about the social effect of hip-hop, how it's changed over the years, um, how it changed during my era, and I need to update because it's changed even more since then. And it's, it's, it's known by the scholars, but not known by the average person how much impact what people hear and see goes into their personal lives. I'm a, per, I'm a personal example of how music has changed my life. And um, just for a quick story, uh, until somebody else come on board and want to talk, I, um, I'm, I'm, I, was born in this, I was born in the 50s, raised in the 60s, but I was in high school in the 70s, and I was very influenced by Superfly and the Black Panthers, more so the Black Panthers in the beginning. And because I was a Catholic school kid, I couldn't couldn't be a Black Panther. And shortly after that, Superfly came along. And by the time I got to high school, I was able to grow a natural and then later became a press and curl, which is a, a, a like a female-style hairstyle. My big natural was pressed and curled. It hung down on my shoulders, and I started wearing maxi coats, and I wanted to be a pimp. And all because I heard the Superfly soundtrack. Didn't even see the movie. Just saw the album cover and heard the music, and it changed my life completely. And here I am, a grown man. That was almost 50 years ago, and I still have remnants of Superfly in me right now. I can't help it. Uh, You guys are still doing your thing. Uh, We got the homie uh, DJ Yella on the line right now. How you doing, Yella? Uh, Pretty good. And the book, uh, the book's phenomenal. It's out that we were just talking about. All, all three of you guys, all these years later, are able to uh, down tour with books. You know, uh, mm-hmm. what's that? What's that been like? Uh, different, especially for a person that never read a book. <laughs> well, a novel at least. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's. Uh, I kind of like it more than DJing because I've been DJing around the world the past. Four, four and a half years, and then like a hundred countries. So, but the book is different, different crowd, but it still gets some of the people that been around when we was at the Eve After Dark or the early days of the Wrecking Crew. I get a lot of them people around. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You guys, I think what's crazy for people. me is, I, I think what's crazy for me is we see a lot of people. The clientele has grown up on our music, and now they're most of them, you know, middle aged or got families, and they got a chance to meet people who they once admired, and they thought we were, you know, superstars back then, and now they realize we're just regular dudes like them, but we have books and we got a story to tell, and it's just amazing, man, to see how many folks come out to support us. Uh, that's been collectors of our music, and you know, uh, now they're collecting our books. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, well, and, 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 you know, like I said, the the longevity, you guys, you guys have been entertaining people uh, for decades, man, and uh, I commend you guys for doing that. Um, it's just a, a different avenue right now, um, which is dope. You reinvent yourselves, you know, into something different. Um, now, this tour uh, or, or this uh, this show coming up on the 16th, um, you know, uh, what can you tell us about it, Yellow? What are you looking forward to about the uh, hip-hop and civil rights uh, show in Sacramento? Uh-huh. Tell you the truth, I don't know too much about it. You know, I I mean, I kind of, but 
I haven't got the four one one of it really. You know, I'm I'm doing it. You know, I'm civil rights. You know, I I don't know. I mean, always been a, a man of no color. I never looked at color either way. Black, white, brown. You know, there's no color to me. Everybody is human. Everybody is the same to me. And I never, even in, through the groups, both groups, never been around racism. We've never been around that stuff. And it's, it's amazing, I guess because we're from L.A., you know, in Compton and stuff. But, I mean, it's a different world now. It's, social media is right there at your fingertips. You can find out anything you want, find out everything. Find out stuff you don't want to be found out. <laughs> so it's a different world, you know. We shall see how it go, you know. I don't really know what's on the agenda yet, but, you know, I, I'm I'm here. I'm down with it. Well, that's what's up. Uh, Liz, t- tell us about it. Uh, you know, tell us about yeah. what you guys got planned. Yeah, I guess you'll have to hear from uh, me right here on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're being pretty modest. The fact that what you've done in your career and in your music has really had an impact. And the young mm-hmm. people now, they're just so hungry for that type of guidance and the um, experience mm-hmm. that you have. And, you know, cases like Young Thug, you know, Alonzo touched on this, that, you know, there's a certain um, level of mentorship that's missing there. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that message that you put out in response to Rodney King with the song, you know, uh, Suck the Police and uh, yeah. We're on the Same Game, these tracks, you know, um, I think people are missing the context of why that mm-hmm. those tracks were made. And I think you being there to explain that is going to have a huge impact on our um, young... Uh, you know what people yeah. also realize is the Wrecking Crew made a song about gangbanging. We was Lonzo, was we against yeah, that? I was oh, yeah, I think that. we was, right? Huh? Clyde the game bang. It, it was called Game uh, Bang. Okay, Game uh, Bang, you really? did. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Know, it was... <laughs> Go ahead. I think there's a difference, though, between explaining an experience that, you know, y'all went mm-hmm. through in your life versus mm-hmm. kids these days glamorizing or glorifying it to an extent that's getting oh, them in trouble, you know, and that's that yeah. component that we want to hear from uh, yeah. the well, original. You know, it's amazing. I'm sitting here right now. A buddy of mine just left, one of my DJs, DJ Domino, just left, and he was he just sent, he just sent a video of these two young ladies that are representing somebody's gang, and they got everybody with rags in the background. And the part that we just, we just talked about before I got on this call was that Ain't nobody, nobody must not look at the news or look at the, the, the repercussions of what happened to all the artists. I mean, every, almost every week, another artist that's supposed to be representing somebody's set is dying. Another, yeah. another king who was going to jail, and when you see videos, they have the same elements, the rags, the guns, the booties, the rags, the guns, the booties, the drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, they call us old because we try to guide them away from it. But one thing I, I do realize, and I've, 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 I've said this, and I'll say it again, I don't care who, 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 who I say it to, there is no real guidance in hip-hop. As a young man, at 22 years old, I opened my nightclub, Eve After Dark, at 22, okay? 
And my dad and the owner of the club thought I couldn't handle it, and I really wasn't ready for it. But as I got more into it and got more acclimated to running a nightclub at a young age, no matter how much money I made, they never for they never uh, foregoed their beliefs and um, guidance to jump on my bandwagon. And what what I see right now is so many grown people who know better will turn a blind eye to whatever is making that person money just to be on their team. Meanwhile, they all get driven into a wall, R. Kelly. They all get end up in trouble, young thug. Nobody says, hey, man, you just slow down or redirect yourself, or you're going to get in trouble. Suge Knight, perfect example. These guys have been, have been at the pinnacle of success, but for whatever reason, nobody ever wanted to, uh, I call it yanking their chain, like no matter how bad a bulldog is, if you are a pit bull is, if you are his master, you yank his chain, he's going to respond. Well, these dogs get so big, nobody can yank their chain. Nobody will yank their chain for fear of being run out the dog yard, out the dog house. And mm-hmm. they're allowed to do whatever they want to do, say what they want to do, until they just run into a wall that's waiting on them called the FBI jail, prison, or death. And mm-hmm. they, it, it's going over and over again. And you would think as many company CEOs that have died, have been in, in prison or running from bullets, that somebody would realize, hmm, this might not be the way to go. Meanwhile, all the brothers that's doing the, the not I gotta say positive stuff, but the non gangster stuff, um, is living a very comfortable life, go where they want to go for the most part. Yep. Yep, that's the message we need to get out. And that's why we're doing this event. Yeah. That piece right there. Yep. Oh yeah. That's the Godfather's yeah, West Coast hip hop. I can go anywhere I want to go, any hood I want to go to. I don't need no bodyguards. I don't need, you know, no, I ain't got to be announced. I got to check in. Um, mm-hmm. I don't represent that that element. They're not looking for me like that. They're not checking for me like that. That's why Oslan, though, he's the one that helped us all get here. So, therefore, give him a, give him his path, give him his respect. Whatever. And I don't put myself in position to be disrespected. And if I find somebody that does disrespect me in any way, form, or fashion, I'm grown enough to walk away. Because either you don't know or you try to make a name a name off of me, and I got too much to lose, and, and there's it, nothing nothing for me to gain by getting into a confrontation with a, some youngster over who I am or who you don't think I am. Makes no, I, you don't know, so you're the, one, uh, you, you're the idiot, not me. You made a good point because so many don't walk away, and that's why a lot of people end up getting killed too. It just escalates and escalates. Um, you got to be a bigger man to be able to walk away. Right. If your friends are encouraging you, oh, go do this, go do that, they ain't your friends, okay? Mm-hmm. Your friends should be grabbing you by the arm, man, let's go. Leave that alone. Let that go. It ain't that serious, okay? I, I was uh, Once before I got into a situation at the club, I was 25, 26 years old. Owner of the club heard me arguing with a guy about something at the club. He called me upstairs. Lonzo, get up here. Talk to me like I'm a kid. Get up here. And what's going on? He said, I mean, this guy's getting on my nerve. I'm going to jump. I'm going to whoop his ass, whatever the case may be. He said, does that guy have a club full of people? I said, nope. That guy got a brand-new car in the parking lot? I said, nope. That guy got a house paid for? I said, nope. All these things I had at 25 years old. He said, what does he have? What does he have? I said, nothing. He said, so you're going to risk everything you got for a guy that has nothing. And that point on changed my whole life my whole perspective on dealing with situations. And that right there is something that a lot of young brothers need to understand. You got a girl, you got kids, you got a job, 
you trying to prove yourself to somebody, people who don't have nothing in some cases, that you a real man. Meanwhile, you go get you a case and lose everything you've got, including your freedom, just to prove to some cats that you a real man. Don't make sense. No, not at all. Um, now, Liz, you know, uh, with the work that you do, you know, in the community, um, you know, uh, what are you seeing that uh, is, is needed the most right now? I know kids need mentors. They need, uh, um, you know, spots to go to to stay out of trouble. What are you seeing uh, that they're needing right now the most? It's this kind of messaging, uh, really. Um, you know, I'm formerly incarcerated myself, and even with the roots, my biggest influence being conscious hip-hop, you know, growing up, I just want to say that I, you know, try not to fangirl out too much whenever I talk to Yola and Lonzo. You know, I grew up listening to their music, too, and a lot of the influences that they contributed to the music, you know, helped me to be who I am today. And um, I had that, you know, I had that. I don't feel like the young uh, generation has that positivity being, you know, uh, promoted the way that um, I saw hip-hop, you know, when I was growing up, 80s, 90s. That's why I think that the timing of their book is uh, fortuitous. I think the messages that they bring with the book is really needed. And um, exactly what y'all just said, more people need to hear that. You know, it's not worth risking your freedom to be cool or, you know, look like you're... But it's crazy. When you, this is some, some of the videos on YouTube of guys in jail look like they're having a good time. It's almost like they let them leak out on purpose. So, so guys get sent to people, get desensitized. To go into jail and don't get me. Woo! I can't even say this right now because I don't want to. I don't want to get canceled. But I see. I, I see situations that are acceptable in, in society. And that's if that's what you want. That's what you want to do. But when you go to jail, your options are so limited. When it comes to your love life, it's easier to go that route and be accepted with no hesitation. Used to be a time that route uh, was a route that most cats didn't want to take. But you know, you get a you, some some guys get a pass if you're in jail and you get a boyfriend. So you know, it is what it is. I, it's a different time, baby. It's a different time. Yeah, definitely different times. Uh, you know, uh, but you guys, you know, you guys have seen different generations. You know, uh, you've seen evolution of hip hop. Um, I'll start this one for you, Yellow. Um, Mm-hmm. What do you what do you, what do you like about today's hip hop, uh, and what what do you see needs improvement? Um, well, it, it, it's different. It's just like when we came out, our music was different from R and B. You know, people yeah. really didn't want to hear it, but it grew and grew, and now it's here to stay. New generation, it, it's it's not like the old days where it's only a few groups. You know, you can hear one song just a few seconds of it, you know where it came from, what coast it came from, what city, what group. And nowadays it's, it's so much access to TikTok and YouTube. Everybody wants to be a star now. Back in the old days, it wasn't. It was limited. You couldn't. Yeah. It just wasn't possible. Nowadays, anybody can be a star overnight for, for kicking a a ball through a window or something. They star overnight. So the music, you know, back in our days, the whack rappers didn't make it. Very no. rarely a couple will make it and get a one-hit wonder or something. Very rarely. Nowadays, it's just 
anybody, anything. They all sound the same. Sound like the same producer. You know, it just it's a new, it's a, just a different generation. I'm not against it. They making more money than our generation, but it's just different. They don't sell actual pieces no more. DVDs, CDs, it's out. They don't sell nothing. It's all download. No physical copy. Half the time, they're giving their stuff away for free. Right. They make videos for free and put it on YouTube, and nobody, why would you buy it if you're going to know next month he's coming out with a new song or a new album or whatever they do? They give I, I want to know who Stan the Guitar Man is or Brian Big Bass Gardner. You know, we used to read the liner mm-hmm. notes. And, yeah. <clears throat> You know, you, you want to. That's how you find out who some of these other artists are. Hey, while I got you guys on the phone, um, did you guys get a chance to hear MC Ren's Osiris EP yet? Um, I haven't. I haven't heard, heard it. Enough. Yeah, no, I haven't heard it. Have you at all? Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. actually. They did a good West Coast anthem on there with uh, Razkaz and uh, J O Felony, J D from the Lynch mm-hmm. Mob, a few other guys. You know. Uh, okay. Hopefully he does. He does more in the future. What about you guys, though? Are you guys thinking about doing some more music? I would love to. Um, I got some. I'd love to. Oh. Yeah, me. I, I, I'm good. I, I'm. I'm good on the music. I mean, you're good on the music. I don't have it in yeah. me no more. It's not in me no yeah. more. Yeah. So I just stay away from it. the DJing. I can do. But as far as get, could I just. Had this conversation with Dre maybe a month, month and a half ago or so. And I told him, I just don't do music. You know, he was trying to hook up and do something. I just, that just ain't me no more. It's just it's not in me. You know, nowadays music is just made for different reasons, for money, for this, for that. Back then we made music to make music, what we like. This is what we like. If you like it, great. If you don't, still great. But nowadays, there's so many reasons why people make music. They want to get rich. They want to do this. We never thought of getting rich back then. What even? Nope, we did that. Nope. Didn't know you could get rich. <laughs> Didn't know you could get rich. <laughs> you know, make some money. Like the rock and roll and stuff like that. Yeah. What did Dre want to do? Did he want to do, like uh, uh, do some type of like uh, NWA homage track or something or? No, no, he he he's he doing some stuff, and you know just you know just seeing where my head was, if you know if I wanted to be you know down or something. I just told him that old high powered vibe back together again. <laughs> yeah, you know? I just told him, man, I haven't done music in twenty five years or whatever. Ever since the funeral, I was done. That was it for me. Yeah, I'm good. I, I remember never uh, you said you finished up those three projects, and that was it. Yeah. That was um, it. that was like one almost one year after he died, and and I wasn't trying to do that, but they came all at once, the greatest hits, my album, and then E's last album. So I just did them all at once in the studio, and that was it. I'm like, I'm good. That was it for me. Well, and I went to another whole another field. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember the ads in the Murder Dog magazine. I remember seeing them advertised. And, and, and I treated that like music because I made four and five movies a month. It was like albums, making albums a month. And I did it for yeah. 15 years. Wow. That's like a no limit roster right there. And I was dropping every <laughs> other week. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy is you had Ren on, on uh, uh, Banging in L.A. Uh, yeah, promoting yeah. That. Um, <laughs> well, I respect that, Yellow Man, but you, hey, I saw in the Vlad interview, you can still fuck it up on the drums. So, yeah, I can still play it. You know, it's, it's, it's in you, man, whether you want to admit it or not. It's yeah. always going to be in you. Oh, yeah. Lonzo, you said you want to make music now. Uh, that's dope to hear. Uh, man, who, who would you like to work with? You know what? I got a couple of producers, uh, a couple of young guys I work with. I'm, I'm looking to work with right now. Um, there's a bunch of guys that I worked with back in the day. Mike T, uh, Rick Rock from my Compton Compilation album. They still are pretty active. Um, I want to. I want to basic. I, I, I'm not making my music. I wouldn't make the music to appeal for the youngsters. And that's one of the big mistakes I think a lot of people make. Oh man, the youngsters got the sound. No, 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 no. no. Hold on, check this out. The people that we appealed to back in the 80s and 90s, they still living. I'm not saying we got to go back to the same exact sound, but just because we got old, you don't think our clientele got old too? It's just that the subject matter that we talked about then, it won't be relevant now. We can't talk about who we were shooting or who we were screwing. No, 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 that's not going to work no more. So I would love to work with some folks that's on the same uh, same um, mental um, uh, wavelength uh, one of my boys, the Chris the Glove Taylor, he just um, played a track for me the other day and sent me a video, and it was basically about um, a, a, a young lady that was trying to hit on him, but he's like, no, nah, where your mama at, okay? And her mama was fine. So, it, it you know, and this is, these are the kind of situations that you run into, and when you get our age, yeah, she may be cute, but I, no, 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 I don't want to be on TikTok, baby. Where your mama at, okay? So, uh, you got grandkids, you got the whole, you, you got kids, you got grown kids, grandkids, you got life situations, the, the the issues that we were dealing with as the as kids, and now as for lack of a better word, senior citizens, it's a whole different thing. And when you pass fifty five these days, you're a senior citizen, and we got people that can relate to what we're talking about. I'm not talking about being depressed, depressing nobody, but health issues are. I'm just talking about just just being be glad to be grown, you know. And like everybody yeah. don't make it. Everybody didn't make it. Okay. Glad everybody I talk to in the morning. How you doing? I'm glad I made it through the made it through the night. And that's a song right there. I made it through the night. Thank God for another day. You know. Every time you get up, you got another you got another chance to try it. So it, it can be something uplifting for grown folks. Um, a lot of us watch. Uh, folks fall to the wayside. People um, got rich, got broke. You know, it, it's like we've seen a lot more life than the average youngster. And I think that's one of the things that hinders hip-hop right now is that most of the people who are trying to create music don't have any life experiences. They they know drugs. They know their hood. They know sex. They know strip clubs. They don't know about the real things that make life tick this yet. I mean, everything they're doing is brand new to them, and that's why they can relate to people can relate to them because there's so many people brand new. But again, uh, like I was telling my boy the other day, um, shoot, I'm experiencing things now at my age I've never experienced before. Nothing negative. It's just it's just a trip to be considered retired, to be to be considered a senior citizen. I don't feel like it. In most cases, I don't look like it, but According to the numbers, this is what I am. You know, oh, yeah. also, also, what people got the, this new generation—they got access to everything. Back right. then, 
Yeah. We had to create everything right. from scratch. It wasn't no. I mean, what you do? No, you had to. We had to create it. Take chances on buying drum machines and all this stuff. We had to have each individual machine. It wasn't all in one on a computer or a phone. Or, but no plug in. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. But no plug in. We had to earn it. Yellow said something earlier that I got to agree with. If most of these artists came up in our era and people had to get in a car, walk, catch a bus, a ride to the record store, and thumb through the crates at the record store to pick out the music and only have you only got money to pick out one or two. You can't pick out. You can't pick everything you want because it's $5. You, ain't got but tw- you only have 20 and you got to eat for the rest of the week. What do you, would you buy? Most of them would not be purchased. But because it's free, it's streamed, you know, it makes it makes it easy. For ten bucks, you get access to all you want on certain certain platforms, and people get paid their money for streams, whatever the case may be. So there is no incentive to say anything uh, conscious. All they want to do is stay in the same algorithms of uh, low level algorithms of sex, drugs, and gang banging to keep the money coming in. So there's no incentive to do anything anything different because the algorithms are geared toward a certain type of thing, and uh, you know. If they had to go to the record store like we did, a, a really put your money on the pass line and get a record mastered and plated and labeled and buy jackets, you would be a lot more. It would be a lot different overall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there's a lot of things missing today that we had. I mean, when when NWA dropped, I was ten. I'm I'm 44 now. So I mean, it's it. it you know, I'm I'm getting right up there too, brother. I'm telling you, I'm feeling the aches and pains already. But it's I also feel like I just don't fit this generation. So that right now, the music I don't understand what's going on. I don't um, nothing resonates with me. But I I will say this though, through all that, there are some young talented artists who are very lyrical, and they're looking to the, to the past. And that's where they're learning and developing their skills. They're not following the trends and the, you know, the the, the stuff that they're pushing down our throats right now. So there's a few well, you know of them what? out there. You're absolutely correct. And you would think that they were they don't exist because you don't hear them. But it used to be a time when radio, celestial radio, was the main source of it, music exposure. They records would get programmed and promoted in certain regions at a time, so the record the, the hits would be concentrated. So, if, no matter what station you went to, you heard a certain hit record in rotation a certain amount of times a day to the point you almost couldn't get rid of it. You couldn't get away from it. But now you don't know what the hit is no more because there's no concentration. There's no everybody has their own personal playlist and nobody knows what the hit record is because unless, unless it's something. Super derogatory or super sexual, like WAP or that uh, song by my boy um, uh, Little Nas X, Dancing with the Devil. It don't make the news. It don't make. It don't get no no real press or nothing. So everything else is kind of just kicked to the curb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, you look at these award shows too. It's like rituals. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a lot of occultism mm-hmm. in hip hop. I hear so many stories about that. Um, 
you know, people going to these crazy parties and things like that. And uh, they set in traps. Uh, Numbskull from the Loonies, he made a good point. He told us that what they do is when you get in the industry now, and they've been doing this, they, uh, they, they'll invite you to these parties and then try to set you up. You know, uh, try to get some incriminating stuff on you and then hold that over you. And people are being uh, uh, used, and it's it's crazy, you know. So I tell these young guys getting into in, into the business, be careful, you know. Watch who you messing you're around up, with. You're set up, and you yeah. also they find out what your what, what your weakness is. Once they know your weakness, whether it's drugs, girls, cars, whatever the case may be, now they know how to how to how, how to manipulate you. And once it's the hardest thing to do, one of the hardest things to do as a successful entertainer is find a way to keep that 15 minutes of fame going as long as possible. And that light go that, that that limelight goes off your ass, it's it's a shock. It's 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 hard. It's worse than trying to kick drugs because you used to being a celebrity all this time and you know, they don't have a methadone clinic for for, for celebrities. And you start doing whatever, whatever you can to stay in that limelight because you still want to be that guy, that girl. And uh most people fall to the wayside. I was lucky. I always had nightclubs to fall back on. Y'all had four, I mean, had this other career to fall back on. So we were able to, you know, uh, morph into something else that allowed us to reinvent ourselves. And here we are again, reinvent ourselves again as authors. So we found ways to keep that limelight on a lot longer, but everybody don't have those talents and skills. You got to have some kind of talent in order to keep on reinventing yourself. And that's something that... Uh, most, a lot of these youngsters don't have. Yeah. yeah it's real talk. Uh, well, well, you guys definitely are, are super talented. Um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Before we get out of here, I want to give you guys the floor. Uh, Liz, I want to thank you. Uh, I, I want to start with you. Um, salute to you for uh-huh. putting on this event, July 16th. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful event. Um, but I want to give you the floor, man. Let them know uh, all your info. Yeah, Ed, to, to all those listening, if you want to check it out, um, we're at Organized Voices on Instagram, still busy Lizzie on Instagram, uh, organizedvoices.com. Uh, we have tickets selling right now, uh, July 16th at Guild Theater in Sacramento um, to check out Yella, legendary Yella, legendary Lonzo, legendary BJ Quintel, um, as well as ACLU, Anti-Recidivism Coalition, NAACP, and many others to talk about um, the influence of true hip-hop and what we can do to um, to further civil rights for all of our people. That's what's up. Thanks. Alonzo, uh, you go, brother. It's all yours. Well, um, what are, we, are we closing out now? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you can find me at, uh, at my website, alonzowilliams.com. Uh, social media, Real Alonzo NWA, my book, Now Without Alonzo, um, all the above. Um, I uh, have a podcast I do on uh, YouTube called NWA Stories with Alonzo. NWA stands for Not Without Alonzo Stories on um, on YouTube. So that's me. Yep. Very entertaining. Yeah, I, I watch. Definitely entertaining. Thank you. Um uh, I'm uh, on Instagram and Facebook, DJ Yellow of, N- of NWA. 
the book Stray Out of Compton, Minor Untold Stories is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and for autograph copies at uh, my website, djyellowovenw8.com. And and I'm just want to just say a quick thing. Uh, like me, back in my day, I didn't have no, I wouldn't say role model, but I had nobody to talk to. I had to figure everything out myself, for myself. I mean, everything in life. My mother, you know, it was a single family. My father stayed across in Inglewood. And, you know, my mother worked from 3 to 11. So as a kid, you go to school till 3 o'clock, and after that, I'm on my own. So that's what messed up a lot of our families. There's no mother and father in the the picture. There's usually a single parent. You know, the mothers are strong, the dads are strong, but we lost our daddies. I never got, like my brother, it was nine of us all together. But above me, they had mama and and daddy. They get to take the pictures together, dress alike, Easter pictures, you know, all that stuff. I didn't get none of that. So now, Hmm. you know, I had nobody to talk to. I I had a half a million dollars in my pocket and nobody to talk about. Buy some property. Do this. Do this. Do that. Nobody. So I just was a a fool with money. But that's what's wrong with our our family. That single parent is hard. It's you know sometimes you know especially sons growing up they need a a daddy to talk to about certain things. They can't talk to mama about everything. But it's just it was hard for me. That's how you know I'm surprised I survived this long without any nobody to go to. I couldn't talk to my older brothers because they were just older, and you know I was just left on an island by myself. So it starts with the family. That's where it starts. That's where it always starts. Can I say something quick, Yella? Yeah. And here's something that I didn't realize until later on, after we all broke up and everybody was mm-hmm. on separate ways. Out of the five different people that was in Wrecking Crew, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. yourself, clientele. And Dre. I knew Dre's dad because we grew up on the same street, but I've mm-hmm. never met that one person's dad in the Wrecking Crew. i never oh, met one wow. person's dad in the Wrecking Crew. Okay? Clientele's dad, you got a story from him. Dre's dad, they are strange. I never met Shakespeare's dad. I knew Cube's dad was around. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't know him if we lined him up right now. I knew his mom, but a, a Cube's yeah. dad, I, I wouldn't know him in the lineup. So I was like the big brother, the uncle. Uh, some of everything, and I didn't even know it. That's why they always got mad at me because sometimes I would be cool. Sometimes I got to be I got to be the boss, and they they would get mad at me because I had to make wrong man decisions sometimes. And we still cool, but every once in a while, because I got a house and a car, I can't do or I got to say no. And you know, it, I, I never understood that. I never realized that until later on that you know I never met anybody's dad. Yeah. And it just, it, you know, when he said what he just said, it just, I had to just bring that point up right now. Maybe we'll touch on it again on the 16th. And we never had, even between, among us, clientele, we never talked about dads, ever. Never. Not one time. I'm the only one. My dad was the only one that was around. My dad was wow. the only one that was around. He he he, uh, he would hang out with us from time to time. You know, and that made a big difference for me, but and it also made a difference for a lot of people. But, you know, my dad, was he was very active in the beginning until he got sick. Yeah. So, so I mean, the common denominator um, is definitely, you know, single-parent households. Mm-hmm. Some kids don't have any parents at all. Um, yeah. You know, 
But you, you, I you mean, made it through yellow. I mean, and make it. Like my uh-huh. brother. Yeah. My brother's an eye surgeon from a single panel. So they make yeah. it there. They, they make it, but it's hard for a lot. It's hard. Right. Especially and when your mentor or your acting big brother is the gang, head gang member or the, the pimp right. on the street or the prostitute or whatever, you know, you know, if, you know what you're going to you get pop, out of them. That's what you're going to be. If your if your pops is in jail, but your mom is hanging with the gangers, hang gangbangers on the street, your shot, your opportunities is limited. Okay, your opportunities are going to be very limited. And I tell this story all the time. My, my mom, she, my mom was forty-one years old. She not really. She was well respected in my community. And I'll never forget one time I was coming down the street, and I the guys were smoking cigarettes. I went home smelling like smoke. My mom went up there and cussed them out, took me up, grabbed me by my ear, just like just like, this, just like they do on the, in the television shows, cussed these guys out for letting me stand while they were smoking cigarettes. And every time they told, she told them, if you see him, y'all smoking cigarettes. Run him off like a dog, and every time they were smoking cigarettes, they ran my ass off. But at that time, I realized my mom was forty-one years old, and she didn't take no stuff from nobody at forty-one years old. Very well respected. Today, if mom's at forty-one years old and twerking, or mom's got a, a OnlyFans page, and your coach is seeing the OnlyFans page, and your people from the church is seeing the OnlyFans page, that could be a problem for a young man or a young woman. Think about that. People don't that 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 don't register with people like it. And we we have we have been inundated with so much access to information. We know more about our parents than we want to know. Yeah, that's real talk. Kids know more about mom and dad than they really need to know. And some mamas will tell you that's my business. You, I'm the grown up. You, the kid. Wow. Uh uh. Uh, a lot of people get into things like music and stuff like that. Was that like an escape for you, Yellow? Um, I don't know if it was an escape. It's just something that was in me that just did yeah. it. There wasn't no, you know, you watch TV, oh, I want to be like that. I wanted to be a fireman, you know. And that was only one day because I went in there trying to get an application. They said, uh, you got to go to the county and get one. That was it. Bye whole career was over. So I never thought about music. My brothers and them played music, but that was it. That was all. Yeah. It wasn't, it was just in me. Yeah. I was just the opposite. Yeah. I always wanted to be a temptation or in the dramatics of singing group. I could never sing. When hip-hop came on, that was right up my alley. Yeah. Just the opposite. I always wanted to be in a group of some type, Always. Watching the Ed Sullivan and the different group came on back in the day when the group came on um, Ed Sullivan in the 60s and 70s, that was a national event when the black folks was on TV. That was a national event. Everybody The whole black world stopped to watch Ed Sullivan and Jackson 5 was on TV. Nobody was playing. Everybody from the TV set. Then Soul Train came on. Everybody was watching Soul Train every Saturday afternoon. So when you, when you, that was, that's a difference in me. I'm a little older than the years, so I had a different. Um, motivation. I saw the group on Soul Train, and we never so Wrecking Crew never made Soul Train. Did y'all make Soul Train in uh, Yellow? In no, WA? never. No. Huh. But I always wanted to be on Soul Train. Never made it. Couldn't I? Wasn't. I couldn't lock. I couldn't sing and get fast enough to get on Soul Train. Yellow, you, know, you, uh, uh, you guys were at the forefront of the West Coast uh, hip hop movement. 
Um, you know what I'm saying? That had to have been pretty special at that time. When you look back and reflect at all those people, um, all those other legends at that time, uh, man, w- w- what's it like? Um, uh, me? Well, back in them days, you didn't think about it. All you just yeah. trying to do just make a, a song. Make a hit if you can, but, you know, I didn't see a future, a long future in music. Not from the early days. Even from the early days of NWA. Never thought of a gold record, platinum, and all this stuff. Never, never came to our mind at all. Uh-huh. We just made the music that we loved. At the time, that's what we loved. Uh-huh. So pretty that much the same fun. here, man. I was a bootlegger for years. I was selling mixed, mixed, uh, mixed, 12 inch, mixed underground 12 inches. Yellow was one of the DJs, so was Dre. And uh, we, was, we were just hustlers, you know, just hustlers, having some fun. We had a nightclub. We was, had plenty of girls. We were making money. And, uh, you know, we, I made, we, we made our first album, World Class. That was only to beat Uncle Jam's Army to be, so we could be the first West Coast group to make an album. They already, Egypt had already made Egypt, Egypt, and that was kicking ass. And uh, we made Surgery and Juice. They did good. They didn't do it with uh, Egypt, Egypt did. So I figured if we can't beat them one way, we'll beat them another. We went to the studio and made, turn off the light. I mean, uh, uh, the world class album, which had Lovers on there, which was a knockoff of um, uh, Float On, and it took off. We were just doing something because we heard, you know, the floaters do their thing, and we made something like that. And they're saying, you know, we got a hit record on the radio and a record deal. Huh? We, we just go looking for a record deal. The record deal came to us. And next you thing know, uh, we, we, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Right. I was just going to say, uh, I know in Sacramento, in uh, I think 85, there was a group called Triple Threat 3. And I think Dre was, um, <clears throat> he came there for a show or something. He was talking to one of the DJs. Uh, do you remember that group at all up north? I remember him about it, yeah. <laughs> Seemed like I heard of that. Yeah. We did, Sacramento, yeah. we did. Plenty shows in Sacramento. Stockton, Sacramento. In fact, I, hey, Yella, our first our first show in life was in Sacramento. We wrote a place yeah. called The Vortex. Right. Oh, yeah. Our, our first show as Wrecking Crew in life was in Sacramento, Vortex. A little club. Up, we, we went to U-Haul and uh, drove to Sacramento, did our first ever Wrecking Crew show. And that's what made me realize, hmm, I had I was still promoting Dudos and we they flew us up, we drove up there, uh, paid us fifteen hundred dollars. I'm like, we can pay fifteen hundred dollars for one show? Oh, we can do this again. And that was the beginning of our start us doing shows. Sacramento, the Vortex. Yeah, they they had a, a record, um it was called Scratch Motion. It came out in eighty four on Saturn Records. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I see you they, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it, it just goes to show you, though, that the whole state uh, was, was doing things at that time. California was oh, such yeah. a um, ingrained in hip-hop, you know, um, and it doesn't really get the, uh, you guys don't really get the credit you deserve because uh, you were doing it just the same time, but if not before, Run DMC and, and people in the East. Well, they came know. out a few years before us. The, the we had eight at three, maybe. We yeah. had run the Eve at the dark. I had booked him at Eve at the dark, cost me five hundred bucks. 
That's how wow. that's how new they were. We they we paid I paid five hundred bucks, three plane tickets and a hotel room for Run DMC. So I had Curtis Blow first and Russell Russell and I talked, he cut cut a deal with me to get his brother and his partners out here just to uh at the at the promotion situation. And uh they played Eve on a Friday and then one of my went to my competition, Uncle Jam's Army on the Saturday. And I vowed never, never to book another East Coast act again. That's how, that's what made me want to start doing the wrecking crew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a steal, though, man. 500 bucks? Well, 500 bucks. <laughs> but at that time, I was out of money. They, they, they didn't have a one, they had one record. They was on the stage for 10 minutes. Yeah. I was mad. I was upset. 10 minutes? For $500? <laughs> oh, hell no. Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Yeah. Later, they became one of the biggest groups in the world. But at that time, they were only worth about two fifty, as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. That's that's some hip hop history right there. Um, but again, I want to thank you guys. Um, you know, I definitely want to thank you, Liz, as well for uh, throwing this event. Uh, hope you guys have a, a you. phenomenal show. And uh, you know, saying everybody on the line, please be safe. And, Take care, man. Until we talk again. Much love. All right. Thank you. I was 16. All right. Much love. Much love.